1944, Dr. Robert Oppenheimer helped to create the atomic bomb. One night he was home, he was reading a poem about God written by John Donne. The phone rang. The director of the Manhattan Project told Dr. Oppenheimer that found a place in New Mexico where they could test the bombs. And the man said, we need a code name for this location. Oppenheimer looked at the book he was reading and said, Trinity, we'll call it Trinity. He was trying to come up with a name that represented power. And so he came up with a term that often describes God and says, you know, let's talk about power. We're going to look at a different type of power here today. And what is the real power in our life? You know, we live in a culture where we have at our fingertips all the information of the world and down through history on our phones. Our grocery stores, they have an average of 25,000 items. We can simply go down the road and pick up just about anything our heart desires. But we're going to look at something Paul says when it comes to what is true power. It's not about the things we have. It's about who we are. And we'll see that he gives an evidence that we are in the right place in what we talk about. This is Josh Hamilton, a well-known baseball player, had his well-known ups and downs with drug addiction. He said what had happened was several years back, early 2000s, he got hired and got a multi-million dollar contract with Major League Baseball. Overnight, he became a millionaire, very close to his parents. He was driving with them one day. They were hit in a car accident by another driver his parents were badly injured. He was injured. They had to go to another state where they would spend time, weeks and months in rehab. He himself was not able to play baseball for several months. He said during that time, met some people, not the best influence by any means. He started to use cocaine. He became addicted, had these difficult ups and downs, relapses. He got free, then relapsed again several times. He got married, was clean for about three years, relapsed, his wife left. He himself was in a trailer with strangers getting high, considered his life. He left the trailer. His grandmother, he went to her home knowing she would welcome him. She saw him. He had lost 50 pounds. He could tell by the look on her face. She was shocked and heartbroken. But here's what happened. She welcomed him home. He went to sleep in her room. In a dream, the devil appeared and mocked him. He woke up terrified. Here he was, a multimillionaire, baseball player, all this money, frightened, knocked on his grandmother's door and said, I just had a nightmare. Can I sleep in your room? Amazing. Next day, they talked about Christ. He read the Bible. He eventually submitted his life to Christ and, and found the peace and the answer there, the true power in life. But let's look what Paul says here in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 2 and 3. If any man think he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing yet, as he ought to know. If any man loves God... This one is known by him. Now, I read this week that the average American overpays taxes by $5,000. We have a saying that ignorance is bliss. Reality is ignorance is pain. 
Ignorance is very costly. And Paul is going to talk about true knowledge here. And when he says, if any man think he knoweth anything, he's writing to the church in Corinth and they're debating their opinions. He's not talking about theology where we should know that we know that we know. Those are the non-negotiables. What Paul is talking about here in Corinth, they had different opinions about different things about their culture and how to address that, especially relating to pagan temples, which were everywhere in Corinth. Now, we live in a culture where people no longer seem to be able to discuss things. They debate things. They criticize the other side. Paul says, if any man think he knoweth anything, what he's talking about here is opinions centered on arrogance and pride. So this statement here, this was from the 1700s, Albert Barnes. Knowledge, he says, rightly applied will promote the happiness of all. Imagine if instead of all the things people think they know and try to convince others they think they know, if we just said, I want to promote the happiness and well-being of others and not just a debate. This applies to individuals as far as conversations in our culture. This applies to marriages where one spouse is going to say, you know, if you just agreed with my opinion or my side of things. In religion, people constantly have debates. And again, Paul, nor am I talking about the non-negotiables, those we should know that we know that we know. But the things that are about people's opinions, if you could just agree with me, we'll see Paul says that that's not true knowledge. This is Millard Fuller. You may not know him by name. You'll know who he is here in just a moment, as I'm sure almost all of us will recognize the organization he's a part of. Now, he passed away a few years ago, What happened is he was a millionaire by 21. At 29, his wife left. He found her in another state, in a hotel, tried to convince her to come back. She told him, we've had all this money, we've had all this stuff, and it hasn't changed us, not for the better. It hasn't helped us to love each other, hasn't brought us closer. He said, what if I get rid of all the money? What if we make a new start and do something radical with our lives? She thought, what would that be? The next day, they went to a church to tell a pastor about their decision. The pastor said this, I don't think you have to give up everything. And Millard Fuller said this, It's not about us giving up everything. We are giving up. They had reached the end of their rope. They knew not where to turn. They discussed the gospel and suddenly they found a new purpose in their life. Millard Fuller and his wife started Habitat for Humanity. Again, what is true power? What changes a heart? Again, Paul says, if you think you know something, you know nothing the way that it is meant to be known. The next part of that verse, again, you knoweth nothing yet as you ought to know. 
Paul is talking again about an arrogance and pride and saying, I'm right and my opinion is the only one that matters. That is a place of fear. As we've said many, many times, different people testifying to the same thing. This is Sir John Templeton, one of the wealthiest people of the 20th century. He was asked, what is the secret to wealth? What is the one secret? He said, simple, it's gratitude. Gratitude. You can have all the money in the world, but if you don't have gratitude, you're not wealthy. You can have very little money, but if you have true gratitude, then you have true wealth. As we've said many times, what you focus on is what you feel. How do you change what you focus on? Ask better questions. Here's a few to ask. Think about this on a daily basis, these questions, especially when it comes to a moment maybe as a husband and a wife, where you're not agreeing on something. Ask these questions first. Do them out loud with each other. Do them alone by yourself. But if you come from this place with a new focus on gratitude, you won't be caught up in what Paul says. If you think you know something, and it's from an arrogant standpoint, you know nothing. If you come from a place of gratitude and say, let my knowledge be to promote the happiness of others. Let it be true wisdom. How do you get to a place of gratitude? Ask better questions like this. What are some funny times in your life that made you laugh out loud? What are some loving times? What are some of your most proud moments? What do you appreciate most in your life right now? You see, in Corinth, and often in our culture today, people are coming at discussions with an anger, a fear, a scarcity, and not from gratitude. What if people truly, and we be that example, daily from a place of gratitude say, what are some funny times where I laughed out loud? Loving times, proud moments. What do I most appreciate in life right now? Then have a discussion with somebody and see how the heart is changed towards that other person. Paul says the next thing here, verse 3, But if anyone loves God, this one is known by him. Paul would go on to say there's one faith, one Christ, one God. And that's his whole point. He says to the church in Corinth, you're having these opinions that divide you. But if you were focused on the love of God in Christ, you wouldn't be concerned about your opinion and convincing others. You would simply say, how can I love this person better? Think about that as a husband and a wife, or think about that as a family with your children or your friends. And you just say, you know, rather than saying, how can I be right? You come from a place where it says, you know, the love of God pours through me to others. This poem was written some time ago. The author has been lost, but this is what they wrote. Filled with a strange new hope, they came, the blind, the leper, the sick, the lame. Frail of body and spent of soul, as many as touched him were made whole. On every tongue was the healer's name, Through all the country they spread his fame, but doubt clung tight to his wooden crutch, saying, 
we must not expect too much. Down through the ages, a promise came, healing for sorrow and sin and shame. Help for the helpless, sight for the blind, healing for the body, soul, and mind. The Christ we follow is still the same, with blessing that all who will may claim. But how often we miss love's healing touch, thinking we must not expect too much. We want to live at a different standard, with high expectations for what God is going to do in us and through us and what faith can do to move mountains. But it has to be true power that is grounded, that is filled and focused in Christ. Knowledge, as we say in our culture, is power. It really depends, Paul would say, on how you use that. You see, because true power, he says, is from one thing. Remember 1 Corinthians 13, 2? If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have faith to move a mountain, we know how it ends, but I have not love, I am nothing. You see, as Michael Stark shares, love looms large in a healthy believer's life. In fact, the absence of love demonstrates we have not known the love of God. As Stark says, tragically, many of the professed saints in Corinth and today reveal dark hearts that show nothing of the love of God. If I know all things and can fathom all mysteries, and Paul says, but if I have not love, it means nothing. I am nothing. If any man think he knoweth a thing, he knoweth nothing. If he's not first grounded in the love of Christ, we have to stop and say day to day, moment to moment, am I coming from a place of love? Do I come from a place of gratitude? Do I ask better questions to change my focus? What do I and have I laughed out loud about? What do I most appreciate in my life? What am I most proud of? What are some of the most loving moments? What you focus on is what you feel. Change the focus by asking a better question. In Corinth, they simply asked, does everybody agree with me? True power is saying, am I loving Christ and his love coming through me to speak into somebody else's life? This is Leighton Ford, former vice president of the Billy Graham Association. He would welcome people to the conferences, often thousands of people in an arena. One particular day, he welcomed the crowd, walked off stage, and a man said to him, do you have any literature for a grieving parent? Leighton Ford had lost his own child. So he said, I bonded very close to this man who had lost his child and shared some things with him and gave him some stuff to read. He said he went back on stage to introduce the next part of the conference. But he thought about that man and wanted to talk further. But he said, how can I find that man in a crowd of thousands of people? He walked back off stage and then he saw that man standing alone in the grass. He went over to that man and said, I wanted to talk to you more about the 
the gospel. And he said, the man looked at me and said, I am not worthy of the gospel. Leighton Ford would share with him, then you are in the perfect place. Because when you can recognize that none of us come to the cross with anything to offer, we all come with just the brokenness and the sin. But here's the great part of that message is Christ then cleanses us and He then proclaims we are now joint heirs in Him, sons and daughters of the kingdom. But the light should then shine through us into other people's lives so that again, it's not about, you know what, here's my opinion, here's my time to try to convince somebody else of what I think, but rather it's saying, How can I love this person more? True knowledge is concerned with building other people up. Be in a place of gratitude. Change your focus. Change your questions. Change your very life. Paul says again, If any man think he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing yet as he ought to know if the love of God is not in him. May our core be Christ and true power come from a surrendered life unto him and his love pour through us to bring light into other people's lives.